0: You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: For sure. So when people ask you, what do you do? How do you answer that?
1: What I do? Um, There's something interesting going on right now. If you've watched the show Songland... Songland is -hmm. a a series in which some producers get together and they listen to a song and they they say, let's change, let's do this to it, let's do that, it'll make it more powerful for listeners. That's actually what I do. I've been doing it for years. I work with songwriters. I'm called a song coach or a song doctor. And I've been working Uh, privately with songwriters for many, many years. Working with them, they bring a song to me. I listen to it. and I say, well, I think listeners would, would be more moved or feel what you want to get across more easily or more deeply effectively if you did this and this and this. So that's what I've been doing for many years. And out of that, passion for giving feedback on songs and helping people write better songs then out of that grew my websites and my books and my e-learning song courses that I'm most involved with now within the last year or two
0: I see so Robin can you bring us back to the day when it all really started for you so like the day when you decided to be a songwriter like when was that
1: (laughs) oh my goodness uh I like Other songwriters, I know plenty of us who decided when we were quite young that we were going to write songs. I knew when I was about 15 that I wanted to be a writer and probably a songwriter. So I started writing songs when I was 15. And then I spent some time studying literature rather than music and people have asked me about that. Do I have a degree in music or something like that? And really, I don't. I didn't study music. I studied literature, writing, creative writing and poetry. So I came from that end of things, writing lyrics first, and then melodies sort of followed along, and I didn't really think about them until much later. Um, Out of that grew my love of theater and I began writing musicals, and I had my first musical produced when I was 23. I signed with a major management company, the William Morris Agency. As a result, I moved to Los Angeles to to pursue my career. And I just want to say, these days, you really don't have to be in Los Angeles or Nashville or New York to pursue a songwriting career. You can be anywhere in the world and do that. Um, you, can, you might decide at some point you want to come to these cities, but you don't have to. You can certainly get started anywhere. But when I started, you really had to be in one of those. You had to be in New York, actually, New York or right. Los Angeles. And over the years, um, that has changed because of social media and because of the Internet. But that wasn't there when I was coming into the business. So I ended up working in theater, and then I moved over into um, uh, writing songs for the Disney Channel. I wrote and produced 100, 200 songs for the Disney Channel for shows uh, that were airing. And then I moved over and I began producing albums for Walt Disney Records. So for many years, I specialized in writing songs and producing music for licensed characters. And I worked with all the Disney characters. I worked with all the Looney Tunes and the Animaniacs and um, uh, Flintstones. And I mean, every character you can think of. If it had fur, I produced it or wrote for it.
0: And I had no
1: idea there was a career doing that. No, how would you know? You, you couldn't possibly plan on that career. But if right. you start, if you just put one foot in front of the other, if you start doing what you love and what you want to do, and you keep pursuing it and keep pursuing it, and don't say no to anything. Any opportunity that is presented to you, you say yes. I've done things I, just, I didn't know I could do, but I said yes and I found out I could do them. So over the years, you build up a body of work and you build up a body of knowledge. And that's what leads you towards e-teaching or any kind of teaching is that you have this body of knowledge that if you are the kind of person who likes to share that with others, then you're probably going to be a good teacher. So it wasn't until the very end of my career, I've been doing this for about 40, 50 years, and the very end of my career that I began teaching when I felt like I had written a lot and I was ready to start sharing that knowledge with people. And that's when I began putting up my websites with information on songwriting and then writing my books and then finally uh, getting into e-learning online.
0: Wow, I see. So it took you a long time before you thought about actually sharing this knowledge with others, right? Was this for a certain right. reason?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think when you're doing it, I know when you're doing it, when you're actually in the thick of it, you work as many hours a week as you've got. So when I was writing for the Disney Channel, I was writing three to four songs a week and producing those songs. So I didn't have time to do anything else. And I did that for a few years. Then I moved over into producing albums. And I, you know, that took every minute of every day. And it wasn't until I started... I the internet came along, and I began, I saw right away what the potential was for the internet, both for sharing my music and getting out to people, and also for sharing the information that I had. So in 2001, when the internet was really just, you know, pretty early on, uh, I put up my first website, robinfrederick.com, and I posted a lengthy article on how to write a song, step-by-step guide. And that was one of the first postings on the internet that had to do with songwriting. And um, the search engines picked it up right away. And so from the beginning online, I had a lot of people um, uh, reading my articles and visiting my sites. So that's when it really first started the sharing idea. But up until then, if you're doing something like this where you're in the music industry, you work every second that you've got. And then eventually you go, okay, I can't do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I'd like to relax a little, that end of things a little bit. And I'd like to look over at maybe sharing my knowledge and paying that forward to other people. And that feels wonderful. I love, I love it when one of my students writes a song that's better than the song they wrote before and writes a song that moves the other people in the course or moves me, which they do all the time. I love that it's it's like watching your kids grow up you know it's like watching somebody's you watch the light bulb go on and you go I Mm. had something to do with that Mm -hmm. that's the wonderful thing about teaching
0: wow that's very interesting so very early on on the internet I mean 2001 putting a site up like that was it what was it like I mean it wasn't like something in your expertise to you know just throw a website up there
1: no (laughs) Well, you know what's what's funny is it was quite it was pretty easy back then because all you had to do i mean i don't know if you ever saw any of those websites, but mm-hmm. it was very easy because websites were not very complicated; they were tables and it just basically what you had to say, and you organized it in tables, things like that and so I started doing that, and all you had to do was learn how to use html which is really dumb code and so i taught myself html and i began designing my own websites because there was no one to design them then and putting it up and over the years I kept improving it and making improvements and then it got too complicated. Along came much more complicated uh, code and CSS and all these things. So I I thought, oh, I can't keep this up. I'm going to lose my websites and I'm going to lose my ranking on the search engines too because my websites are starting to get dated looking. But then along came WordPress and WordPress turned it all around and made it something that people like us could do again. So, Even if you're focused on your subject that you are, you know, or the area that you're working in, and you're fully focused on that, you can still put up a WordPress website. They've made that pretty much foolproof, and it's a lot of fun. So I was able then to reinvent my websites as WordPress sites and keep my rankings on the search engines and that brought people to my sites where my books are there and my courses are there, advertised and all those things, so that I could keep people coming in and getting the information and finding out what else I could offer them. The the internet is the best way to let people know that you have something in an e-learning area to give them because they're already online.
0: Mm, I see. And Robin, what was was the inspiration for, you know, taking this dive into the online world instead of going to the more traditional route or going to like a traditional institution?
1: Good question. The traditional route of teaching, which is going to an institution, uh, involves giving grades. It involves a lot of paperwork, a lot of testing. There's all kinds of requirements. If you're a teacher at any kind of accredited institution, especially if they're accredited. So you're going to spend a lot of your time doing something other than teaching. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep up my songwriting and my production at the same time as I was sharing my knowledge with people. So for there was a time in the early 2000s when I was teaching on the weekends at some of these extended learning programs at the community, uh, community colleges here in California, and most states have something like that where there's a, either a community college system or there's some way of reaching out into the community and sharing like Learning Tree and things like that, and you can go out and bring in a a class of 15 people, total strangers, you have no idea what level they're at, or where their interest is at, Mm -hmm. whether they can, you know, play a piano or not play piano. So it teaches you really quickly how to reach a wide audience. And I would go out on Saturday afternoons, usually when I was booked. And I'd go teach at Pasadena City College or El Camino College or these places, and just people from the community would pay a little bit of money to come in and learn for two or three hours. It was a, it's pretty grinding. It's it's hard to do, but you don't have to do the paperwork. You can just teach. So from that, I began to build up private clients who I was helping with their songs. And I also began to put together what would then become my book. The class I was teaching was based on my website uh, uh, article, Step-by-Step Guide to Songwriting. And then I, we taught off that a little while, and I created some in-class materials that I gave to everybody. And it's the in-class materials then that I turned into my book, Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting. And that's what taught me what people need to know. There's, it still helps a lot. If you're going to teach, whether you want to do – e-learning online or not it helps if you know what your potential students need to know want to know that's where I found out that lyrics were the biggest problem for them and so that's where I started my e-coaching my online courses. and then I found out that secondarily melody is a problem melody and chords but they all want to pitch their songs to the industry they all want to get in there and have a music publisher hear their songs and and they get frustrated if they can't do that even though most of them don't have the songs ready to play for a publisher so i kind of found my slot right in there i said let me help you take your songs to the point where you can go pitch them to pub music publishers or film and tv music supervisors here's all these markets you might not even know about And I can Mm. show you how to get your songs ready to do that. So I have pretty much started that when I was teaching live on Saturday afternoons. I did that for a couple of years. And it involved a lot of commuting, a lot of time, a lot of prep for very little money. But I began to get private clients out of it. And I learned a lot. And I took that information into the next thing that I did which was I became um, a screener for a company called Taxi.com where I listened to songs all day long and gave feedback on them. So I learned how to do that and eventually I became the head of the screeners and I would talk to people about their frustrations with what they had heard. I think my song is good. Why didn't you think it was good? And I'd explain. I think it is good if it expresses your feelings, but you could be reaching more people, which is what the music industry needs to do, if you did some of the following things that we suggested. So it was a process for me of actually learning from, from people who needed the information, learning what they needed to know, and gradually learning how to say it so that they could understand it. And I think those are two of the biggest assets that a teacher can have, which is learning what students need to know and then learning how to say it so they can understand it and take it in. If you're too aggressive about it, if you tell people they have to do something or they should do something, they'll tend to dig their heels in. They already know what they want to do. You can't tell them not to do that. But if you explain to them why this works, Here's why listeners react the way they do when you give your chorus a higher melody. Melody is in a higher note range than your verse. It sounds more emotional, and listeners love that. Well, that's what songwriters want to do. They want listeners to love their songs, so I'll try that, and it works every time. It's the basic tool, I think, the most basic tool of teaching is making the student want to do what you think what will help them get where they want to go they just don't realize it so figuring out that trick was yeah a big part of it
0: are you an expert or course creator trying to monetize your online course well use our one page template to get more paying students to your online course without marketing overwhelm or sleazy sales tactics you can download this for free at unstoppablebusiness.com now Back to the show. Wow. So you had to really understand how to be a good teacher. And was this, did this happen naturally or did this come naturally to you? Or was this like over years and years of working, you know, commuting on those Saturday afternoons and uh, actually working with these students one-on-one?
1: That's a good question. Um... I think that there are some people who are naturally generous with their knowledge. There are other people who really hold their knowledge close to themselves. They feel that for competition reasons, they don't want to turn loose of their knowledge. And I think that it's the it's the person who's willing to be generous with their knowledge who makes uh, will make a very good teacher they'll figure out how to do it. If you wanna share your information with people, they're gonna want your information. Hmm. If you feel you wanna hold your information close, I probably wouldn't suggest that you become a teacher because you're gonna be struggling against your students' needs the whole time that you're teaching. I think the, best, the, things that, the three things that make a good teacher are, one, be generous with your knowledge. That's the very first thing. The second is organize the information for your students so because if you think about it they can get probably most of the information you can give them they can get on the internet somewhere in the case in my case they can get it right from my websites i've been very generous with the knowledge on my websites mm-hmm. so when i go to teach it yeah they could go online and get a lot of this but if you organize it so that they can understand it quickly and go through it rapidly and ga- and gain an understanding quickly and see themselves progressing That's a whole different ballgame. That's what a good teacher can do. And the third thing is give them a structured experience. Give them information first, then give them resources they can use to help them put that information to use and then help them practice it. And a lot of people will say, oh, I, don't, I hate practicing. I used to practice the piano, and I never learned anything, and that's exactly how I feel, too. Uh-huh. So when I went to do this, I thought, I don't want them to practice the way I practiced piano, which was nothing but frustrating. I, instead, I came up with ways for them to practice this in small steps so that they can see the progress with each step that they take. Now, every teacher is going to find different ways to do that, but you want your students to feel like they're making progress, and I think you can see that as you work with them. When I started my courses, my online courses, I was watching and I saw that students who were taking the self-paced course were having trouble sticking with it. They were dropping out after. Some people stayed with it all the way through, but a lot didn't. And some people, life gets in the way. They're just they can't stick with it. It's you mm-hmm. know too hard for them. It's too many hours. But I noticed that when I offered a mentored course, and I was there once a week for them, um, then they could make that progress each week because every week I said, okay, here's your assignment. You do this. You turn it in next time we meet. I'll give you feedback. And that kind of step step program really helps a lot of people some people are just not good at self-paced they're not good at learning things from books they're the ones who really respond well to a mentored course when you're doing a mentored course you charge more for it than you do for a self-paced course because of course you it takes your time to be there and you have to decide how many people you can take and realistically give feedback to that many people in a couple of hours and you know you have to structure it for yourself to make sure it's comfortable for you and then you decide how much you need to charge in order to make it worth your time. So when you get into e-learning, by that time, I think it's probably a good thing to have spent some time with students um, live to, to be there for them and get their feedback. You can also do that online. You can actually, uh, once a month, I meet with all my students, anybody who wants to come to a kind of virtual office hours online, and I ask them, Mm -hmm. what's hard for you? How are you doing? What do you have questions about? And that tells me how to improve my courses. So there's still feedback, even when you're working online, I think you still need feedback from your students.
0: Wow, I see. It seems like you're constantly looking for feedback from your students, even though it's an online experience. Mm. Mm.
1: Yes, I think so. I think that's up to the teacher. There are online courses that don't have teacher feedback at all. And my self-paced course, I do the once-a-month office hours just to stay in touch with them so that they can come if they want to. Plenty of them don't, but some of them, the ones who are motivated, they do. And those are the people who usually end up taking my mentored version of that same course. So offering them, you know, I'm offering them an opportunity to take it either as self-paced or mentored. And the people who need it to be mentored, they have that option. And I can still have a lot more students in my my self-paced course than I would ever have a chance to take into a mentored course. So it's a a nice, um, it's like a menu of things. You can take it this way, you can do it that way. And then gradually you organically add more courses to that as you find out what students want and need the most. You can add more courses. And I like to build things organically myself. So I didn't launch a whole bunch of courses all at once. I just launched with one course and then I've been adding to it.
0: Oh, wow. That's Pretty amazing, it seems like you have a lot of teacher skills that you've uh, sort of learned over the uh, along the way. Did you have a mentor um, who sort of guided you or this was something you just sort of picked up?
1: Uh, I picked it up myself when I started in the music industry. No one was doing this. No one was teaching songwriting. There was one person who was teaching songwriting. I went to some of his courses. But um, it took a while before we began to have some live courses, Dick Grove Music School and then Berklee School of Music out where you are um, in New York. And uh, gradually we began to have some teaching, songwriting teaching, but there was no one to do that much, much, you know. So I pretty much, we all had to teach ourselves and learn from the music that was popular, that listeners liked, learn from that, study those. So I learned early on to to reverse engineer hit songs and learn how to write like that or write like Disney wanted or, you know, which I spent so much time doing. And so right. later on, when I started teaching, I thought, what would I have wanted someone to show me? What would have helped speed up my career by, you know, five years or 10 years or so, what would have, what would I have wanted? So if you put yourself in the shoes of your students, I think you have the best chance of becoming a good teacher very quickly. And you can ask them, you can start out, you know, you do your first course. One of the things these community colleges did was that they handed out a review. Uh, you, You had these little cards you handed out at the end of your course. And at the end of your class and the students would fill in. Here's what I liked about the course. Here's what I'd like to see happen. Here's what I didn't like. And then they'd pass all these in and I could read them before I handed them in to the um, school. So that helped me also to understand what they were missing and what they liked because you want to know what your students are liking so you can give them more of it too Mm. and how they like to learn. Mm. So you learn, I think from your students as much as from anyone. I don't know who, who would teach. Uh, I mean, this is as much mentoring as I think you can even get. I sometimes mentor people in starting up their online courses because, especially if they're in my field, uh, I'll help out with that and say, now you need to organize this and be generous. And, but, Organization is the one I've noticed that people often miss out on. And I just have I do have a good organizational skills. If you can organize your closet, you can organize an online course. <laughs> if your closet <laughs> looks like a rat's nest, I would probably wait.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, makes sense. Um Robin, was there was there sort of like a tipping point for you where uh, everything sort of changed and you didn't have to, you know, sort of trade your time for money anymore?
1: Um, I don't know that that ever goes away. Uh, mm, trading, And you right. said it exactly the way I say it, which is trading time for money. I think the secret of that is... Um, I'm certainly not as frightened as I was when I started out and trying to pay the rent. You know, it was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm way beyond that now. And I think the best advice to give to people is to create things that will earn you money while you are working on other things that will make you money so one of the things i can do while i'm teaching is i can work on my books and i'm updating shortcuts to hit songwriting right now because that book is now 10 years old and the references the song references are getting dated so i have to update that book to keep it selling and it sells well at amazon so i want to keep those royalties coming in from my book sales and that means that I have to be able to do one thing that makes money for me and still have time to do something else that will make money for me in the future. And that combination I've been working on ever since I started writing my books. Even when I was writing songs for Disney, I was, I was making royalties. I made royalties off those songs for 15 years because my shows, those shows ran for 15 years. Um, and so for 15 years, I got royalties while I continued to work in the music business. I continued, I, it, it supported me while I made my first album for Higher Octave Records. Then I went to work for a record company, Rhino Records, and I spent three years there earning a salary, but because I was still making royalties off of my Disney shows, I was able to save a lot of that money, which then supported me while I went, when I went back to um, making a couple of albums that I just wanted to make for myself. And then I, and I didn't have a lot of income coming in from working. It had to come from royalties. Then I went back to work again and continued my royalties continued. And that's when I put, I wrote my books while I was working as a screener for taxi.com and Then I had my royalties coming in while I'm working. And when you can do that, you can put savings away. If you're freelance, if you're working in the gig industry and you're out there working hourly freelance, which I have done all my life except for the three years I worked for a record label, you want to have something that's earning you money while you continue to work. And so if you can it's the it's getting that first one out there what when you you know you're having to work and you're having to write your first book or start your first course that's difficult because essentially you're working two jobs so working doing the e-learning courses i can work i can do a mentored course when i want to and that means i have my presence is more is it more in demand at the mentored versions of the course but when I don't want to, which I'm not going to do that in August, I'm not even to, I don't think I'm going to do it July or August. Then I can work full time on updating my book and issuing and getting my ebook out of there in the fall of this year. It's that ability to create royalty producing products like my books at the same time as I'm working in e-learning where I'm earning money by putting my time there, time for money, um, the ability to do both of those is what helps you get through life in this kind of gig economy with um, money, enough money to, to pay a mortgage if you want to, or pay rent, or, you know, have a nice lifestyle. I think you need both of those things.
0: Mm, I see. So Robin, what, what kind of projects are you working on today that's most important to you?
1: I, you know, it's funny because I think both the school, my song coach, the school, and my books are both equally important. And then last year, I was able to write, I co-wrote a half dozen songs for somebody's album. And so I'm able to keep up the songwriting thing. I've written so much that at this point, the that That powerful need to write songs has kind of tamped down a little bit. (laughs) But the need to create is still there. Um, I have to create, and that's creating the books, creating the courses. I think if you're self-motivated and you like to make things, this is a really good area to be in. If you like to make a course, it takes a while. Making courses for online usage, especially a self-paced course, takes some time to do I I wanted it to be good. I wanted people to like it. I wanted them to learn from it and feel that it was worth the money that they invested. I'd like them to continue on with me, either as a mentor or a coach, whatever. Um, And so I spent a year putting together my uh, Shortcuts to Great Song Lyrics course. And it's a combination of uh, uh, slides and, and PDFs, so they can visually, and videos. So they can watch a video, then they can look at the PDF that goes with it—a a, a document, a written document—that goes that uh, that gives more information that I can't give in a video. In other words, lists of songs to listen to and look for the things you just learned in the video. That com- those that combination I think complements each other really well—a video, then a PDF, a video and a PDF. And so that's how I did it. But each of those things, to do, them, to do them and make them look professional, takes some time. And when you make, let's say that your course, you're charging, let's say, 125 or 150 for a course, you need to give people 125 or $150 worth of information and make them feel that they got that, whether they stuck with it or not. Um, at least they knew it was there if they wanted and a lot of these courses, it's lifetime membership, so they can come back anytime. Some of these people will not be back for a year, and then they'll come back when they have time and they can work on it again. So you want to give them the experience, and that's a lot of time. I didn't do too much else that year when I was creating the course. Oh, wow. And then after the course was created and people start taking it, you have to do some promotion for it. So that doesn't taken me a ton of time. I still I have to, I want to redo my websites to, pro, to feature the course more, but, and I haven't done it yet, but I'll get there. And I can promote it to my, I have about eight to 10,000 people on my email list, so I promote things out there. And I promote to Facebook. I have a lot of followers on my various Facebook pages for the books and things. And so anytime I do something, I have a built-in audience that's waiting for it because they've done things with me before. People on my email list go all the way back to the early 2000s when I was teaching live at the community colleges. And those people are still with me. Yeah. Hmm. So you want to build up your email list and your audience in any way that you can. Start simply by putting together a simple website that has good information on it, that expresses something that people would want to know organized in a way that they can that they find useful. And you can find lots and lots of really good blog websites out there that do that. And then if you want to spin off a course or a book or any of those things, you have people who are already enjoying your website and signing up for your email newsletter, which you maybe send out once a month or something like that. And And if you're good about sharing information and good about organizing it, it all comes back to that, <laughs> Um, And giving them resources, the third thing, information, organization, and resources. If you're good about those three things in your newsletter, people will stick with you for years. I have people who write to me after I send out my newsletter each month, and and they say, you know, I've been getting this for years, and I learned so much from it. And if there's a little part of me that says, darn, I wish they were taking my course, you know, <laughs> because I'd make more money from that. Still, <laughs> I'm happy that they learned a lot. And one of my courses, they're going to be more inclined to take my course because they're going to say, oh, she's a good teacher. I can learn from her. And if I have a course that they need and they're going to take it. And then, no matter how much information I put out there in my newsletter, there's still going to be more stuff for them to learn no matter what you're teaching, you never run out of stuff to learn. And when you learn it, and you pass it on to your students, it's really exciting for you. And it's exciting for them, too.
0: Mm. Wow, that's really great. So Robin, was there something that you wish could have been different about this amazing journey that you had so far?
1: No, not. You know, what's interesting, I used to Guest host, and I used to guest uh, in a lot of classes at like UCLA and various places. I used to come in as a guest to teach music business. And one of the things I would say to people is if when you start out, you think you're going to go from point A to point B in a straight line, mm-hmm. you're not you're going to go from point A to Z to X to L to R to Y. You may never wind up at point B somewhere along the line. You may go, Oh no, I love this over here. I'm going to do this, which is kind of what happened to me for a while when I went off and did the, the uh, Disney stuff. I really enjoyed it. I didn't know it was out there. Who knew? And that was not where I intended to go when I started, which was, I was going to go write musicals in New York. And I went off on this fascinating, wonderful journey that I'm so glad I took, but I wouldn't have known it was there if I hadn't said yes to whatever was on offer and, and gone there and learned. The truth is you may get back to point B at the end and you'll come back to it with all of this knowledge and all of this experience, which helps you to do point B so much better than you ever would have done it if you had gone there in a straight line. So that's, I think, what the best career trajectory is, is to follow where your career goes, where it wants to go, follow where your heart wants to take you, what you want to do and enjoy doing, take some risks, do stuff that's really scary sometimes, but you're going to say yes to it because you've you've got to go there and you're going to end up where you want to be. Uh, And I think that's important at, you know, when I get to, I'm towards the end of my career now, but I feel like I don't have any regrets. There's nothing that I left undone that I wish I had done. And that's a wonderful feeling. That's what you want at the end of it. And having the fun now of sharing all of that with other people, I get to tell them all this crazy stuff that I learned because I did it. And they're going, whoa, you did that. (laughs) It's a lot of fun.
0: So Robin, you said that you're at the end of your career, do you still have a vision mm-hmm. for you know your products, your e-learning, everything out there? Do you have like a five to ten year vision?
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that never stops. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you I'm glad you brought it up. I mm-hmm. have friends, I have friends like me who are also have been in the business for forty years, and you know are, are kind of the constant songwriting and the constant networking and the constant. You, you don't have to do that so much now, but we all have way too many projects than we can possibly commit to. There's just too much to do. And I think that's a wonderful problem to have. Too much to do is a good thing. My to-do list is so long, I don't even see the end of it anymore. (laughs) And it's all things that I want to do. I I a, I've got another course I need to make. I need to do that course on, on music and chords, melody and chords. I have to do that next. But I have to finish this ebook first. And then the ebook gets turned into a print book. So I gotta do that. And then I have like three more e books I already did and I'm there's more that I wanna do. Another course I wanna do, I keep my students with me, my private clients with me. And um gosh, yeah, I haven't stopped writing songs yet. Uh, it just got pushed to the back for a little while. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have too many things to do. And I think that's a high quality problem and I think everybody should have it. I, I'm amazed by and not in a good way by people who retire from whatever career they've had and they watch a lot of TV. <laughs> I don't get that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> that's, that's not me.
0: Right. Totally. <laughs> for sure. Um, so, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's really amazing. It's I mean, you share some really awesome things on this podcast. Is there anything else that you would like to say to our course creators out there listening?
1: I just go for it. You know, I think that if you have something, a hobby or a career that's taught you a lot, if you have a passion for something uh, that's, and you've learned a lot about it, share it uh, whenever you feel the time is right in your career and in your life, share it with people. It is the most fulfilling, enjoyable thing you can do. Uh, it's, or it's right up there with, with the best and it's a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it. And that's really all I, I would say to people is go ahead, do your research, learn what you need to learn, fill in the gaps so that you can say to people, I have something to tell you. And if you do that, people will come. If you if you share, they want it. They'll be there. And I think it just makes the world a better place. You know, when we pay it forward like that uh, to people, and they can share in the enjoyment and the love of doing what we love and enjoy to do. It's been it's a really fulfilling thing to do in your life.